Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show. My name is Tim Seckler of the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. Uh, and uh, I thank you for joining me this week uh, for this week's show, where we're going to be chatting about um, the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, using beneficiary designations as uh, an estate planning tool on your financial assets. Okay, so let's define what the heck it is that we're talking about here first, and then we'll get into whether it's a great idea or whether you should uh, be doing something else. Um, so so here's the deal. There's there's um, most people – well, let, let me do my little disclaimer first um, that you should not make any legal or financial decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show. We're going to do a bit of technical stuff, and a lot of people I think this is going to uh, apply to a lot of listeners. And so there's a little concern you're going you're gonna to make some changes without – getting the proper advice on this one, uh, which is why we always have our estate planning workshops, which you can find at any point in time on our website, so you can come in and get the advice that you need um, before you do this stuff. But here's what we're wrestling with today. There's there's this idea out there amongst people and amongst financial advisors that all you got to do is put beneficiary designations on your account. So let's say I have a financial account and what we do is we put a beneficiary designation that essentially says if I pass away, then you leave it to this other person, right? So so this is contract law. And a lot of people are confused by this because they think that if I do a will, that's going to supersede the beneficiary designations. And actually, the reverse is true. The beneficiary designation supersedes the will. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, the very first estate I was ever involved in, this is uh, well over a decade ago, um, Someone passed away, and they passed away by suicide. And they had done their own online will um, prior to um, ultimately taking their own life. And in the will, what it said was that they wanted the life insurance money to go to Sister A. Um, But on file with the life insurance company was a beneficiary designation from before that said that the life insurance money went to Sister B, right? Now... This person wrote their online will in contemplation of committing suicide. This person clearly wanted the money to go to Sister A. It was done later in time, but Sister B got the money because beneficiary designations supersede what you do with a will. All right, And a lot of people get confused about that. They have some account, they have a beneficiary designation, and then they do a will with some attorney who doesn't explain it correctly or something off the Internet. And then all of a sudden they think that that covers everything, and it really doesn't. It does not. And so um, so this is the fundamental problem is so many financial advisors, and financial advisors, you know I love you, but let's, let's have a frank conversation about whether this is in your client's best interest. So many financial advisors put beneficiary designations on everything, um, and here's the problem with that is that we're only really answering one question with a beneficiary designation. And that beneficiary designation is, if I pass away, who gets the money? That's the only question we're really answering, right? Um, and, you know, when we write an estate plan for somebody, um, the, the estate planning document can be 20, 30, 40 pages long with some trust a lot longer. 
And so we're not writing 30 pages of give it to my kids. We're, we're handling a lot more than that, right? And so I, I wanted to take an episode and explain why um, beneficiary designations may not be the right answer because in, in relying too heavily on beneficiary designations, we're giving up the opportunity to do really good planning for real life because we don't want to just answer the question, who gets the stuff when I pass away? Yeah, that's important, but estate planning when done properly is about honoring your life. It's about having a good retirement. It's about not going broke. Um, it's and, and then if there are leftovers when I pass away, yeah, we'll distribute out the leftovers. But but relying on a beneficiary designation as the only tool in, in an estate plan ignores reality to some extent. And so here's here's a, uh, an example. What about young people? Uh, young people who stand to inherit. If you've got uh, minor children or if you've got uh, minor grandchildren, even if you're not intending to leave your minor grandchildren some money, and you're giving the money to your kids, what happens if your kid dies before you? Now that money is probably going to your grandkids, right? And so um, most people are kind of the understanding that we shouldn't give a whole bunch of money to 18-year-olds. They're going to make mistakes. Heck, I would have made tons of mistakes with a bunch of money at age 18 years old. Most people feel 21 is too young. When I started doing this work, most people were giving their kids their inheritance at 25. Um, Now it's looking more like 30 and 35. And so, but the law hasn't caught up with that. So the law will give your kids these these minors control at either eighteen or twenty one, which is generally speaking a terrible mistake. In in when we're doing estate planning, our job is to avoid terrible mistakes. So then, let's be real careful about. Um, using beneficiary designations when when young people may inherit because we're not just like i have little kids okay and i have a lot of life insurance i'm a big proponent of life insurance i pay a fortune for it but i can't just give it to my kids the life it's not like the only thing i do for my kids is give them cash at the end of the day and let them fend for themselves as a parent i do an awful lot I, uh, you know, we, we try to teach morals and values. We try to we try to raise these humans, not just keep them alive, but like teach them to be good humans. And if I if I drop a million dollar bag of money on the kitchen table on their 18th birthday, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I can't do that. But that's so many young parents and so many parent, uh, grandparents who ultimately have young people as beneficiaries on a uh, on a plan um, or a life insurance contract. Are, are not living in the real world. Listen to me. If you have little kids and you have life insurance, you can't give them a bag of money on their 18th birthday. They're going to turn into jerks. You know they're going to turn into jerks. We've got to continue to coach them and teach them until they're really adults because 18, I'm not so sure anymore, right? And so we ha- but, but what we have to do then is manage that money with some sort of an estate planning vehicle that provides access to the money for them over life, over the time period until they hit 30 years old, with someone more responsible with the pen to the checkbook. Okay, I'm not saying we can't use the money for your kids' first payment on their, their first home. I'm not saying we're not going to use the money for their education. We're absolutely going to use the money for that stuff. We've just got someone else with the pen to the checkbook, okay? So reason, big reason number one 
why we cannot rely solely on beneficiary designations is if we, you know we're we're using these beneficiary designations to answer the question who gets my stuff when I pass away. In theory, you bought the life insurance or you save some money and you want the leftovers to get to this person to improve their life. But if you give an 18-year-old a million dollars, you are not improving their life. You're in, in most situations, you're going to destroy their life, and so got to be real careful. Uh, similar to that is is families with people who are disabled or people who may become disabled. Let's say. My wife and I are, are, we have the kids in a car, we're in a horrible accident, okay? My wife and I both pass away. The kids survive. In fact, the kids are unscathed, except for one. One of my children um, becomes disabled in this terrible story. Well, disabled people need help managing money. Let's say it's been a head injury. My, this disabled child now cannot manage money. Forever, perhaps. We need somebody with professional management skills to manage the money. The other thing that we know about disabled people is disabled people tend to ask the government for assistance, SSI benefits, Medicaid benefits, free health care. And to be eligible for some of those things, which for a disabled person could spend millions of dollars on their health care over their life, um, they're not eligible for those programs if they've got a bunch of money. So we have to plan for the potential of disabled people. Not even if, you know, I'm not even saying people that are currently disabled. If you have someone in your family who is currently disabled, you need to plan right away. We can provide for that person. We can love that person. We can provide them with, with resources. But you've got to do it in a trust that doesn't disrupt their access to housing and, med- and, and health care benefits and income. Um, and so we use a thing called a special needs trust. But, but oh, man, the amount of times I've seen people with disabled family members and they just have them listed as a beneficiary and, and the person's going to lose their, their health care if they inherit this money. And so we can't do that. Here's another issue. Post-death issues for creditors. Like one of the issues that we plan for in our office very, very frequently is, is the family asks us this question. If I leave my money to my daughter and my daughter gets sued because of an accident or if my daughter goes through a divorce um, because, I look, I, I like my son-in-law, but I want to be pragmatic and I know that most marriages end in divorce. So if I leave money to my daughter and my daughter goes through a divorce, did I just lose my life savings to a poor marital decision? Um, and the answer is maybe. If we rely too heavily on beneficiary designations, the money goes to your daughter. She stays married for five years. They commingle the funds. Then the divorce happens. Now now we're in a situation we can't even tell whose was whose anymore. Um, and so, like, with a lot of our plans, what we do is we don't give the kid an outright inheritance. We manage the inheritance. We give the kid their inheritance in their own little trust that never becomes a marital asset, and we've now protected our children from their potential future issues like divorces and lawsuits, right? Now, obviously, you can't do that if all you do is put a beneficiary designation on an account that just says, give it to my daughter. It, um, and, and what we're dealing with, guys, we're dealing with the reality that life is complicated. And estate planning, when done well, wrestles with the fact that life is complicated. And, and to manage those complications, 
we typically put some controls, um, some, some language around control and access. Who's in control of the money? Who can make the decisions with regard to the money? It's not going to be an 18-year-old. Um, who's got access to the money? Yes, my kids, not, my, not the divorce, not the lawsuit. They cannot have access to the money. And so by using proper estate planning documents, we can manage control and access, and we can handle some of the biggest concerns that you probably have in life is what happens if. So much of an estate planning tool like a, like a well-written trust is what happens if. You know, let's let's start from the from the standpoint that maybe we all live in Mayberry and we have kids and we're in happy marriages and our kids are in happy marriages and nobody ever gets sick and nobody ever passes away too young and and nobody ever goes through a divorce and 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 we we don't have to we don't have to plan for life's twists and turns. So we can start with a plan that we'll call the Mayberry plan, where where everything's fine. But then the rest of the document says, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what happens if this person is making bad decisions? And what happens if this person dies before me? Now where's the money going and who's in control of the money? And proper estate planning does that. And proper estate planning does something else. Proper estate planning protects your resources. The biggest financial threat if you've listened to the show before, the biggest financial threat that um, seniors and retirees face is what happens if I go to a nursing home? Because nursing homes can cost 150 grand a year or more, right? Um, and what what can I do to protect my resources? Do beneficiary designations protect my resources? Of course not. Beneficiary designations only answer the question: Who gets my stuff when I die? Right? It doesn't answer the question: What happens if I get really, really sick? before I die. And this is the kind of thing that we do, um, we discuss at length in our estate planning elder law workshops, which you can sign up for anytime you want. They're on our website. They do fill up, so you have to register at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. Um, and at secularlawfirm.com, you go to the workshops tab. Now, now cruise around the website a little bit because there's tons of videos and articles. I think we're well over 100 articles on content like this that you can check out, you can read, you can learn um, all about this stuff. But you ought to come to one of our estate planning workshops. And what we've done is we've created an educational program where we, we take you through a couple of different classes, and you can end up getting an estate plan that is, that is exactly what you need based on your goals and concerns. So we bring you to the workshop. We talk about all these issues I'm talking about today. Um, and then we say, okay, now here's a whole bunch of issues. Which ones concern you? And, and how, can we, uh, how can we plan your affairs to tackle the issues that concern you? Um, and and it's, a, it's a comprehensive way of getting this done and living in the real world that we're not all in Mayberry. And some of us are going to get sick before we pass away. And some of our kids are going to get sick, unfortunately. And sometimes kids die before we do. And that's terrible. But we got to plan for it. Because we can't, if, if we have that kind of fire going on in our lives, it doesn't help anybody to dump a bag of money on top of the fire. Um, and so let's plan with it realistically. And while we're on the topic of education, um, we uh, at the Secular Law Firm, I'm hosting a financial advisor boot camp. So if you're listening to this, you're a financial advisor, or if you're listening to this and you have a financial advisor, you should send them this, um, this episode, which you can find on Spotify or Apple iTunes, because on um, April 28th of uh, 2023, April 28th, we're having a continuing education event 
for free for financial advisors, CFPs, and life insurance agents. You can come. You'll get six free credits if you stay the whole time. And we're going to teach you things like how to properly use trusts for your clients so that you don't leave them with all these issues we're talking about today. How do we properly manage the money in a way that takes care of your client's biggest concerns without jeopardizing control and without moving the money to a different shop and, and all the rest, right? So come to the uh, Elder Law Boot Camp. We're going to talk about Medicaid eligibility. We're going to talk about irrevocable trust, revocable trust. The Financial Advisor Boot Camp will be real good. This particular event is only open for financial professionals. Um, if you are not a financial professional and you want to learn more about this, that's the traditional workshop. Um, and so April 28th, Register at my website. On my homepage, there's a green button that says register for the boot camp. Uh, I hope to see you there. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, maybe I rely too heavily on beneficiary designations. Maybe this guy, Tim, who helps and his law firm helps hundreds of families per year do estate planning, maybe they kind of know what they're talking about um, and we should listen to what they have to say. Um, and so let's talk about another issue why um, – why beneficiary designations could be relied upon too heavily. Uh, and that is, uh, well, we were starting to get into it, and that is the nursing home issue. Right? Now, the way that this works in Pennsylvania is if you are a Pennsylvania resident and you end up needing to go to a nursing home, um, the, the price tag is anywhere from like $150,000 to $180,000 a year, and that's today's dollars. That's $2023. What happens if you're currently 70 and maybe you need the nursing home in 15 years? Um, well, I can tell you, when I started doing this work uh, 12 or 13 years ago, the average cost of a nursing home was just under $100,000 a year, right? It was like 80 couple or 90 couple, I'm not really sure. Um, now it's 150, which means it's it's just about it's gone up by what 60 percent, 70 percent, just in 10 years. And so if we add up another 10 per, 10 years on this, and let's say it goes up another 60 percent or 70 percent, so now we're going from 150. 10 percent of 150 would be what another 15 grand. Um, so times five, we're, we're talking about another 75,000. We're up to a quarter million dollars a year in a nursing home by the time you're 85. Now, if we're talking about a quarter million dollars a year, ask yourself honestly, can we handle that? Can my wife and I, how, how do we keep our home? How is my wife going to continue to uh, travel to see the grandchildren when we're out of money? And the system, I'm telling you folks, is broken. You need to protect yourself from the long-term care system because in my office, this month alone, last month, it's the beginning of the month here, but last month we helped eight families who were going broke in nursing homes. It's happening all across the city. It's happening all across the country. And people are going broke due to long-term care expenses because the government system is failing us. But there are ways you can protect yourself. You protect yourself typically using trusts. And to do a trust, you have to learn about trust, which means – you come to an estate planning and elder law workshop, okay? And it also means you cannot rely too heavily on beneficiary designations because beneficiary designations or wills or revocable trusts don't do anything to protect your assets from this biggest issue you have. One in three of us are going to have dementia. One in three seniors will have dementia. And so when you multiply, got a one in three chance of having dementia in nursing homes and are one hundred and fifty to $200,000 a year, and they're going to go up, Man, just 
let's just wrestle with this for give me give me an hour and a half of your time and I'll teach you how to protect yourself from it uh, or continue to live with your head in the sand whichever one you want um, fifth reason to not rely too heavily on beneficiary designations is that Pennsylvania has an inheritance tax an inheritance tax is a tax that is due when you pass away, but it is not technically owed by the estate of the person who passed away. It's technically owned by the person who inherits money. But what people do in a lot of wills, they put that burden back on the estate. So the will will say um, the estate should cover all the inheritance taxes. Now you got Susie, your executor, trying to administer the will, and she doesn't know what everybody got. Maybe one asset was beneficiary designated to a cousin. Maybe one asset was beneficiary designated to her sibling. And she's responsible for paying the inheritance tax, but she doesn't know what those other people inherited. And she's trying to track that down, that information. Maybe they don't talk to each other. Oh, and by the way, the cousin is at a 15% death tax rate, and your kids are at a 4.5% death tax rate. And so if we've got the will subsidizing and, and paying the inheritance tax, we're probably paying the cousin's higher rate with money that could have been subject to only 4.5% tax, and it turns into a quagmire of confusion. Um, and so Pennsylvania's inheritance tax can be a giant pain in the neck for families who rely too heavily on uh, beneficiary designations. And then what happens is the, is, the, is the financial advisors say, oh, well, the estate, you've got to avoid probate because estates get too expensive. Well, estates get expensive because we've got to untangle this mess. Um, and, and what I'm telling you is don't create the mess in the first place. Uh, do proper estate plannings. The next issue is what happens if you have a beneficiary designation um, and then you become incapacitated? Who's in control of that money? What are they allowed to do? Because if we do a proper plan with a trust or at least a really good power of attorney, we have planned for your incapacity, and now we can make changes with the stuff in the event that uh, you become incapacitated, we can we can change beneficiaries. If that makes sense in your best interest, we can we can move it to a trust. We can change the investments. We can handle those things. Where with people who just say, ah, "I'm just going to put the kids' names on everything," we've lost the control to be able to do that. And here's the 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 last one I'm going to talk about. The seventh reason that people rely that you shouldn't rely too heavily on beneficiary designations is that people forget and they don't update it okay so i can't tell you how many times i have ended up with um the second spouse who has money beneficiary designated to the former deceased spouse or we have money that are, is beneficiary designated to a child who is no longer alive or we have beneficiary designated money to a former spouse to whom we have divorced People forget, like, people forget about their assets. They forget that they have that little account. They forget that they bought that annuity. They forget. It's crazy to me that people forget that they have money. But people forget that they have money or they just don't like to think about it. So they look at the statement and they signed some paperwork 25 years ago naming beneficiaries on that paperwork. But half those people are now deceased and we're not really sure what's going to happen if I pass away. Uh, and so um, the thing about the, the, the beneficiary designations, just to simply answer the question, who gets the stuff when I pass away, with a beneficiary designated uh, asset, there's not enough contingency planning done. There's not enough if this person is gone, 
then give it to this person. If that person's gone, then give it to that person. When those people pass away or if those people become incapacitated, you have to change the beneficiary forms because those forms don't contemplate all these issues. Where an estate plan will contemplate all these issues and it will automatically sort of be a process that kind of handles these situations as they come up without any need, uh, in large part, without any need uh, for you to do a whole bunch of work. And so um, you can tell that... um, I'm not a big fan of running your entire estate through beneficiary designations. Now, we do use beneficiary designations. It, it, they're just a tool in the toolbox. Smaller accounts, uh, we can use beneficiary designations on. Um, beneficiary designations you know, can be a great idea to leave money to nonprofits rather than um, having nonprofits involved in the estate administration. So there's great ways to use beneficiary designations, but but there's this like common notion out there that it's all you got to do and that's like having a, a this this entire toolbox out in your garage that only has a screwdriver in it right that's the only thing in it and and so then what happens if i need a wrench well then you know hit the hit the thing with the screwdriver i guess but but with a good estate plan you've got a fully loaded toolbox and there's a wrench and then there's a hammer and then there's the wire snips and then there is every tool you could need because when something breaks you can't fix everything with a screwdriver. And with when we're talking about your entire life savings, we can't fix everything with a beneficiary designation. So please, um, if there's a takeaway from this week's episode, the takeaway is please take the time to think about your entire net worth. You, you, you spent your entire life building up this nest egg. Um, and... Yes, it's uncomfortable to talk about death and dying. Yes, it's uncomfortable to talk about disabilities. Yes, it's uncomfortable to talk about half the stuff I talk about every day. Um, But it's important, and it matters, and it's not quick and easy. And beneficiary designations are Band-Aids, and Band-Aids don't solve everything. Um, So be real careful relying too heavily on beneficiary designations. And if your financial advisor has told you to rely too heavily on beneficiary designations, you should refer them to our financial advisor boot camp where I'll actually teach them the things that they need to know about um, estate planning, about elder law, about asset protection, so that they can help you and they can help your future client, uh, their future clients, um, protect themselves as well. So that event is April 28th, our regular estate planning and elder law workshops. We have them all the time. You can find them at secularlawfirm.com, but you please register. Uh, a couple times recently, we've had people show up without registering. We didn't have a chair for them. Uh, so please register for the event. I look forward to seeing you there. I hope this was a, um, a helpful use of a half an hour for you, uh, but don't make any legal decisions based on this or any other radio show. If you need legal advice, come get some. Uh, I'd be happy to help you. Uh, otherwise, until next time, thanks for listening. We'll see you then. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.